everybody uh here we are for episode 103 uh wayne is back from vacation are you well rested wayne no i've got the plague sickness <laughs> but we persevere we push through yes we'll push through it happens to all of us uh travel can be a bitch that way sometimes um so this week with one of the movie, movies we're going to review we're going to review netflix's big blockbuster film the gray man uh, so we're going to talk about Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. I'm going to go first with my Chris Evans films that I wanted to bring up. I kind of wanted to touch on three different areas. We're not going to talk Captain America because that's a whole other discussion. Um, we're going to start with a comedy. That really is America's ass. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. And but now can we say now that it's America's stash? Hmm? <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> Um, I will say that we did get to see a little bit of America's ass in our first movie, and that was not another teen movie, which... And pause. Sorry, I'm done now. <laughs> um, it is from 2001. It's a parody film. Wayne, I would argue probably one of the like last good parody films, not counting um, like pop star, but like from, from this era, from the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Because after this was when we started to get from the two creators, two writers of Scary Movie. And it was like the two worst writers of Scary Movie. And they did Epic Movie, Disaster Movie, and all this other shit. Not Another Teen Movie is actually extremely funny. Um, It's almost as quotable as the movies it's making fun of, like Varsity Blues and American Pie. Uh, Chris Evans uh, was the lead, the lead male actor, while Shyler Lee uh, was the lead female. She has become more well known. She was on Supergirl the last five, six seasons, whatever, however long that show ran. Um, she was one of the main characters there, so she also kind of segued into superhero stuff. Um, you also had Jamie Presley, Mir Kirshner, Randy Quaid play, <laughs> played the father who thought he was still in Vietnam. Uh, there, there are so many moments in this movie that they kind of nail perfectly what the movies are making fun of. We're trying to do. Cause they also, they go back. They, they make fun of, um, she's all that. They make fun of uh, the eighties movies too. You have the one kid who's like obsessed with the eighties style. And that that's the whole, a whole joke within itself. Um, you have um, what's Eric Christian Olsen, uh, who's now more famous for being on like NCIS or something like that. But he started out in this movie and also playing the younger Lloyd and dumb and dumber or, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Wayne's laughing I think because he's remembering that movie actually exists <laughs> uh, I think for me Chris Evans and Eric Christian Olsen um, along with Shiloh Lee were like kind of the standouts of this movie um, they, they're they really funny they're, you know they play it they play it right like how you're supposed to play these type of movies they don't, they don't go over the top they know exactly what they're there to do they're trying to get laughs and it's a funny movie coming from actors who aren't really comedians where when you look at something like scary movie, like, yes, it had, you know, Anna Far Anna Faris and a bunch of other people, but it has the Waynes brothers who grew up comedians, you know, and they, or they grew up with comedians in their house. Uh, so this, this is it's a little more impressive. I think when you have unknown actors being able to deliver this comedy and deliver it well, um, the, Chris Evans does the parody of the uh, whipped cream bikini. Uh, <laughs> Uh, where he he and we pause again. Observe. <laughs> he does the um, banana split, and when he turns around, <laughs> he's got the banana hanging off his ass. It's it's a funny movie, man. This is you know I feel like maybe it hasn't like lived on, but I think our generation Wayne really did appreciate this movie. Like I said, because I think it was like the last good spoof movie of our time. Um, when we were growing up. So what, what are your thoughts on this one, Wayne? Yeah, um, it's the last one that, like, really I cared about that entertained me. Probably one of the last ones that I saw because after that it's like, oh, good, they're making Scary Movie 14. Fantastic. Right, so, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, I mean, I think what you see, too, is um... – like after this, the guys again, those two guys, I forget their names, but we're not going to mention them anyway because they suck. But they didn't know how to write a parody film. They would just 
take, you know, the Avengers and then have them get squashed by a giant robot. And they're like, oh, there was the Avengers. Like, they didn't know how to actually spoof anything uh, correctly. And so I think, you know, with this movie, you kind of get, like we said, you kind of get the last of that. Um, And it's really funny. And it shows that Chris Evans does have comedic range. And I think uh, it was a nice introduction to him. This kind of led him to do more teen comedies for a little while before he ended up breaking into doing more action drama. And then eventually, obviously, we talked about uh, getting Captain America. He was uh, the Human Torch prior to Captain America. So he did have... uh, dabble in some superhero stuff uh, previously as well all right uh so you got ryan gosling Wayne. what are we talking about first ah my second favorite canadian <laughs> both named um, ryan you know liz is researching gosling a little bit here noticed that one of his first uh, credits was uh, are you afraid of the dark which i very much love and i know we've talked about it before a good yep uh, during our intro to horror for children type thing or getting into mm-hmm. like spooky stuff but i think I need to go with, oh, hang on one second here. Uh, we're going to go with one of my favorite sports movies that we have talked about before. Uh, that's Remember the Titans. Yep. Um, reason I'm picking this one is because Ryan Gosling is very much just a supporting side note character in this. Yeah. Like, I didn't actually make the recognition until after Ryan Gosling really got it famous, mm-hmm. you know, in more things and whatnot. The replacement, if you will. Yeah. Because he replaces PD on defense and whatnot. So little rundown here. Uh, I believe this is 2000. Yeah, correct. Right. All right. So for those of you that live under a rock and have never seen, remember the Titans. Suburban, suburban Virginia school has been segregated for generations. One black and one white high school are closed and students are sent to T.C. Williams High School under a federal mandate for integration. Uh, it's based on the events of a 1971 story. Uh, it's a true-ish story with some liberties taken, obviously. So, uh, Herman Boone is the new head coach of T.C. Williams. Uh, Will Patton plays his assistant coach, uh, Bill Yost, who is a highly decorated you know, championship caliber coach who... Uh, was the coach of the all white schools, yes. all white school. Obviously, uh, Denzel Washington playing coach Aaron Boone, African American. In the late sixties, early seventies, you guys can kind of guess what the problem is. Well, he basically he took his job, yeah, and yeah. that's where well, that's he didn't take it. it's a new it's a new school. So yes, yeah, yeah. Everybody's all, all the crackers are all up in arms because the black guy got the job instead of the white guy. Wow, you know racism, all that stuff. So obviously, that's the underlying tone of this film, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, uh, let me just run through the cast list because it is star-studded. Obviously, we talked about Denzel Washington. We got Will Patton, uh, Julius Campbell, Wood, played by Wood, Wood Harris. Uh, obviously, Ryan Hurst. Uh, for anybody that's listened to the show, uh, we love Sons of Anarchy. Yes. Fame there as Opie Winston. But in this film, he plays Gary Bertier, uh, one of the best supporting actors in the film, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, we've got Donald Faison, uh, Craig Kirkwood. Ethan Supley, when he was still fat. Uh, Ian, Ethan Supley has gone under a dramatic change over the years yep. from being a plus, plus, plus size actor to somebody who's in very good shape these days. Uh, did a lot of time on, was it uh, My Name is Earl, I believe? Yeah, that was, he was a big big character on that for a while. But there's so many more people I got to get through. Uh, Kip Pardue, Hayden Pantier, uh, Kate Bosworth is in this. Yep. Uh, obviously, the man himself, Ryan Gosling, Burgess Jenkins. Uh, yeah, so star-studded. Uh, high school football. You know, I'm waxing on poetically about every every minute aspect of this film, but it's football. Um, fantastic soundtrack. Um, one of the highlights is uh, when everybody breaks out into uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough uh, during summer camp, I believe is what it is. And yep. they're just... What is your opinion or anything you want to add to or what do you want to talk about in, in regards to this film? Well, it is one of my favorite films, uh, sports films, I should say. Um, it, you know, it's it's one of those films that I've seen it a bunch and every time I still get emotional at every moment of this film. It, it, it has the um, 
just this this hold over me, I guess, where it just it gets you every time. Even though you know what's coming, you know what's going to happen. You still you still get weepy, you still get emotional. Uh, it, great performance from Denzel, of course. Uh, but like you mentioned, like the younger actors in it also do a really good job, and Ryan Gosling is a part of that. Um, it, I assume it stems from because he he was with Timberlake and all them at the Disney uh, kids stuff uh, in the in the '90s. So this being a Disney film, I assume that's probably how he got to audition for it, um, and then thus started his his acting career where he's done so many just kind of great great performances. Um, but this was a nice little. Uh, like you know what? When you go back and look at it after you've seen other movies from him, this is a, you like you realize how good of an actor he is because this is a very different performance than any of the other ones that he gave. Of course, yes, he's a little green maybe, but um, it, it's a really much a very different character that I don't think I've seen him play before. And when you go back and you look at this performance, you can kind of see how good he was gonna be. I think from a young age. And it's always fun to kind of go back and look at these actors when they were younger. Like, like I said, with Chris Evans in his last movie, like kind of doing something you don't really see him do often, but he can, you know, and with Gosling, it's, he got to play a supporting character. So he probably got to try a few things too. As an actor, I know they like to, you know, take a role where they, they can do thing a little different things here. He's not the focus of this movie. Um, so he probably got a little more freedom. I always liked uh, his character, uh, Alan Bosley, and uh, Ethan Suppley's character, mm-hmm. Louis Elastic, because they're the two guys that are open to having you yes. know, black teammates. You know, there's that scene where uh, he's dancing to the country music, like, yeah. right, come on. I know I don't even have to ask how you feel about this one. <laughs> and then have just, you ever heard of Cruel and Unusual Punishment? I believe that was Blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great movie, and it's one of those ones that I, I definitely watch, uh, you know, come football season every year. Um, so it's, 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 again, it's just nice to see actors. We like in these performances, Ryan Hurst, like you said, uh, pre sons of anarchy, um, was really good. And he was, a, I think he was a bright spot of this film as well. So one of the, uh, the best inclusion movies that, or I don't know if it's even inclusion, it's a correct term, but just U- unity movies yeah. mm-hmm. and, uh, from our generation. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Agreed, sir. All right, so my next one is from director Bong Joon-ho, who has done such movies as, I'll bring up his thing here, um, Parasite, obviously, where he won all the Oscars, Okja, Mother, The Host, Memories of Murder, Barking Dogs Never Bite. But in 2013, he made his first English-speaking film, and that was Snowpiercer, starring Chris Evans, uh, Song King Ho, Tilda Swinton, Jamie Bell, Octavia Spencer, Ewan Bremer, Ko Asun, John Hurt, and Ed Harris. It is a film that takes place entirely on a train. It's kind of like, you you can compare it to like a Hunger Games. It's based on a graphic novel. Is that train possibly going to Busan? <laughs> it, it is not. <laughs> um it's basically like civilization's over. Everything's freezing outside. This train is one of the last parts of civilization. However, like you have, take the pandemic, for example, when this shit happens, there's a class warfare. So you have all the rich people at the front of the plane or the train, sorry, train eating all the, you know, the fancy meals, the fancy dishes. And then you have the poor people where Chris Evans is at the end of the train where they're eating like this black jello looking slop. Um, and it's just really like, that's what it is. And so you have the, finally, like the front of the train doesn't care if the back of the train live or die. So they kind of take that, obviously that, you know, they take, they're disrespected by that. So they decide that they're going to take over the train and they kind of work their way through to the front of the train to get to the villain. Um, it's a really fun, exciting film. I think it was one of those ones that, when when it came out, it was more of an independent, really released film. But then it hit Netflix and it blew up on Netflix, um, pretty pretty big at the time in 2013. So uh, it was nice to see Chris Evans have another movie that wasn't Captain America be be you know relatively big. It wasn't a big box office success or anything, but people were talking about Snowpiercer, um, and it, it's a really fun sci-fi uh, futuristic movie, and it's really good. The performances are great. I like this performance from Chris Evans because it's a bit more of a serious uh, performance from him. 
and it's uh, it's just a really good movie. And you know, it's I feel like if people kind of avoided it because it was popular at the time, which does tend to happen sometimes, uh, they should check it out. Apparently, there is a not apparently I knew this existed. I just haven't watched it. There is a TV show um, with Jennifer Connelly and um, David Diggs, uh, where David Diggs plays the poor guy and Connelly plays the the rich bad guy. I think. Um, but that's lasted like two or three seasons on USA. So you can check that out as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good movie and I'm a huge fan of, of, um, of Bong as we'll say Bong Joon-ho. It's just, uh, something different. You know, I like when I watch movies like this, I like to kind of be like, Oh, this is something I haven't seen before. And I think that this movie, um, yeah, you can compare it to like Hunger Games and stuff, but it handles everything very differently. And I think a little bit more realistically too. Um, but yeah, very good. Wayne, any thoughts on Snowpiercer? I have never seen that, sir. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you, you are one of the ones I was talking to then you got to go check it out. I will. It's usually streaming somewhere. Yeah, and I, I know I've talked about this before, but after every podcast, I make a list <laughs> of everything that I need to see that uh, Mike has talked about, and the list goes on. <laughs> All right, uh, so what is your second uh, Ryan Gosling film? We are going to 2004, the greatest romance of all time. I knew it! Yes, yes indeed. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? What do you want? He single-handedly uh, made the beard sexy in 2004. We're talking about The Notebook. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I was late to the party uh, on this. I didn't see this until it was about to leave the theaters. And uh, it was on a double date that I didn't want to be on. And, uh Yeah. I wasn't completely encapsulated with what was going on on screen. And, um, yes, the, uh, this Nicholas Sparks dramatization is absolutely one of my uh, guiltiest pleasures. So, uh, directed by uh, Nick Cassavetes, uh, starring Gina Rollins and James Garner. Uh, I think it's been long enough that I can kind of spoil what's going on, yes? I think I think so, yes. Okay. Gina Rollins and James Garner are the uh, advanced in age versions of Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling's characters, Noah and Allie. Oh. So, let's see. Who else do we got here? Uh, da, 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 da. Forgive me for everyone else in this film, but I don't really know if you guys needed recommendations for this. So we're going to go on to the synopsis, if you will. The storyline. In a nursing home, resident Duke, played by James Carter, reads a romance story to a woman, Gina Rollins, who has senile dementia with memory loss. In the late 1930s, 17-year-old Allie Hamilton, played by Rachel McAdams, is spending this summer vacation in Seabrook where local worker Noah Calhoun, Ryan Gosling, meets Allie at a carnival, and they soon fall in love. So this movie does a little bit of time jumping around. Okay, I'm, I'm having a, a, just a moment here. Who is the love interest of Al, of the young Al, of Rachel McAdams? Who, I believe it's James Marsden, Cyclops. Yes, he is also in this film, but not listed on the IMDb page. So he is over. At, yeah, he is over at the Wikipedia. I'm on Wikipedia. He's over there. Is there anybody else that I missed talking about? Uh, Sam Shepard, Kevin Connolly from uh, Entourage. Um, that oh Joan Allen. So Joan Allen looks like she plays the mom of uh, Rachel McAdams. Gotcha. So yes. Um, uh, Allie's parents, Rich McAdams' parents in the movie, are uh, not keen on their daughter falling in love and marrying or having spending any type of time with one of those lowly workers, a blue-collar man is far beneath us, if you will. Did I just sound like Foghorn Leghorn there? I think I told you, like, you kind of more. You kind of did. I don't think they have those accents, but, you know, teach anyway. their own. <laughs> yes. So Noah and Allie are separated. Noah goes into the war where his dear friend, Kevin, played by Kevin Connolly, is killed. He comes back and uh, he uh, buys the home that 
he always envisioned him and Allie living in and refurbs it, uh, rehabs it by hand, single-handedly. And this is how Allie kind of reconnects with Noah because she sees him in the paper, if I remember correctly. I didn't get a chance to rewatch this one. Shame on me before we're recording. So (laughs) going off memories. One thing leads to another and uh, they reconnect. Uh, there's a uh, rain shower where there's an epic dialogue of "What do you want? I don't know." Kind of like me and my wife trying to decide what we're going, where we're going for dinner. <laughs> it's been it's been memed and in, in gift um, many times lately. Yeah, but uh, yeah, some stuff happens. Maybe go ahead and check it out, uh, rewatch to see what happens because I don't really remember. I think they end up together, obviously, at the end. I think it ends in, a, in, a, in an explosive murder-suicide plot where... uh forget the aliens. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, that's one way that I, I've seen only bits and pieces of. I've never actually watched the whole thing. Um, Why do you hate love? I don't. I love love. Everyone knows I love love. Um, I just never... You know what? I never saw it when it came out, and then, like, Rebecca and her daughter saw it, and then they just never asked me to watch it with them. So, I don't know. I was just like, all right, I get whatever. I bought them a special Blu-ray of it and stuff. Like, I had a cool case and stuff. And yeah. it just uh, never got around to it. I don't know. I'll have to watch it one of these days, though. If you're ever feeling sappy, you know, sappy. You need that little... It's, it's good. It, it pulls on all the right heartstrings. Yeah. All right. So, my final Chris Evans movie. I don't know if people... This one might be one that people haven't really heard of a lot of. Um it's called Gifted. It's uh, sounds like it might be superheroes. It's not. It's about a smart child. Directed by Spider-Man director Mark Webb, um, starring Amazing Spider-Man, I should say. Starring Chris Evans, McKenna Grace, Lindsay Duncan, Jenny Slate, and Octavia Spencer. Uh, again, because Octavia Spencer is also in um, Snowpiercer. National so, treasure. Yes, yes, she is. She's not in the movie. She should be, but she, she should be. Okay. She should be in the new TV series. Um, all right. So uh, the the plot of Gifted is in St. Petersburg, Florida. Seven year old Mary Adler lives with her uncle and de facto guardian Frank, played by Chris Evans. Her best friend is her forty three year old neighbor Roberta Taylor, played by Octavia Spencer. On her first day of first grade, she shows remarkable mathematical talent, which impress impresses her teacher Bonnie Stevenson, played by Jenny Slate. So it's this this story about how this uncle um, kind of has this child thrust upon him after his uh, sister uh, passes away. He's the guardian, and the 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 grandma is in the picture, but she's not a. Her and the brother don't have a very good relationship, so she wants custody, and he, um, you know, is trying to do it on his own, and there comes a lot of struggles. Uh, she has, you know, similar Wayne, I think, to, to our children. She's very smart, but she also acts out when things don't go her way um, or when things that she can't understand. I'm very familiar with this. Um, so it, I, maybe this movie hits more on a personal level to me, too. Um, but it's it's just it's a really good, uh, effective drama. Uh, Chris Evans gives a really good performance. Um, I feel like it kind of got overlooked when it came out. Um, I, I didn't see it till it was streaming, like either on Netflix or HBO or something like that. So, um, it, it's just really, it's a really good drama and it's very, it's emotional. So it's going to make you sad. There's, you know, court stuff that they go through and Octavia Spencer's characters kind of got to like get into him. Like you are the best thing for this child. And so it's, it's a really good story. Um, and I think Wayne, if you haven't seen this one, I'm definitely, even though I think you'll like Snowpiercer, I would definitely watch this one first because I think this is more up your alley, um, and this is something you'll you'll enjoy. Uh, you know, not having if you hadn't seen it before. Which have you seen this one before? I have not. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a high recommendation from me if you like, you know, weepy dramas, if you will, because uh, it pulls at the at the heartstrings. McKenna Grace is great. Uh, she's just in Ghostbusters. She's in like I feel like she's almost in every movie. Um, so she's really good and she's a really good uh, young actress in the way like that. We all looked at Dakota Fanning when she was young. McKenna Grace is basically the new Dakota Fanning. Everything she does is, is good. And all the performances, performances that she gives are really good. Um, so I do recommend seeking this one out. I'm not sure if it's streaming at the moment, uh, but it is well worth 
your time and I don't think you will be disappointed. So if you like these type of movies. Um, all right, Wayne, what is your final uh, Ryan Gosling film? I feel like each one that I chose I've already talked about, but <laughs> I love all three that I've chosen. So we're going with 2011's Crazy Stupid Love. Love that movie. Yes. Uh, directors are uh, Glenn Ficarra and John Requa, R-E-Q-U-A. Forgive yeah. me if I mispronounce it. Uh, written by uh, Dan Fogelman. Starring Steve Carell. Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone. Fantastic casting, by the way. Uh, Tio Lipton, Jonah Bobo, Joey King. Really? Yep. Huh? Never. She's, yeah. I was now years old when I made that discovery. She's the. You guys she's are the, witnessing something prophetic right now. She's the younger daughter. Right. Never ever made that connection. Wow. Marissa Tomei. As gorgeous as she is ageless. Yes. Fantastic. Also, her, John Carroll Lynch, Kevin Bacon. Also, as gorgeous as he is ageless. Yes. <laughs> uh, Josh Groban, I didn't recall he was in this movie either. Wow. He's the, he's I her, yeah, he's her douchebag lawyer uh, boyfriend in the beginning. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Duh. Duh. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's give the, let's give the people a little breakdown here. Cal and Emily, Steve Carell, and Julianne Moore have a perfect little life together, living the American dream, until Emily asks for a divorce. Now Cal, Mr. Husband, has to navigate the single scene with little help until professional bachelor Jacob Palmer, Ryan Gosling, steps in. Uh, that that first scene where uh, they're at the mall and he's yep. eating Sparrow and he's just looking at Cal up and down... Just, you know, dressed in a very trendy suit. And, like, how many people wear a suit to the mall? Unless they're selling suits at the mall. Right, you yes, know? yeah. Just the whole, he takes the shoes and throws them off the throws balcony. Throws them over, like, the, over the edge, how, yeah. How much money do you have for clothes? He pulls out the wallet with the Velcro, and Ryan Gosling feels back in horror. <laughs> I know I have personally made memes reacting with that, oh, God. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it's great chemistry between Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling in this film. Right. They, they are fantastic together. And uh, I, I think, not to ever take anything away from Ryan Gosling, but I think it's pretty hard not to have great chemistry with Steve Carell. He just genuinely seems like uh, a great guy. Yes. I mean, obviously, they poke fun of that in, uh, what's that movie, uh, Knocked Up with Seth Rogen? And, was it Knocked Up? Seth Rogen, where he's got the kid with the uh, yeah. lady. With uh, Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl, yep. yep. And they're like, Steve Carell, why are you being a dick? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was me totally screwing up the, the the little connection points there. So, yay me. All right, let's get back to the movie at hand. Um, So, Emma Stone is, unbeknownst to everybody, well, unbeknownst to most people, maybe you drew, drew the connection. I totally did, that Emma Stone is Cal and Emily's Oldest daughter. Yep. And uh, obviously, redhead, redhead, totally, you know, was so focused on. Yeah. The movie does a good job of hiding it. It gives you the hints because they talk about how they have an older daughter who's doing this and that. And you don't put it together until later when they, you know, when you're like, oh, shit, this makes sense now. This whole movie also introduced the term of being cuckolded. Yes. Yes. By David Lindhagen. I know you are. You told the whole bar. You suck on your little straw, makes you look like you're sucking on his little schwanz. <laughs> Didn't know what that term meant, but I put two and two together. I just, my, uh, one of my favorite scenes is when um, the backyard scene where uh, Ryan Gosling goes, <laughs> Oh, oh, David Lunhagen? And he starts taking like his rings off and stuff, and he's like yep. taking his coat off. <laughs> that is the antithesis where everything comes together because. Yes. He defends Cal, but Cal's pissed at him, so Cal fights him. Yep. And then the the daughter of John Lynch, yep, yes, shows up because she is in love with Cal as well, or lust, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So she decided to entice Cal by taking some spicy photos, which her parents find and think that there's something going on between Steve Carell's character Cal and the yes. babysitter daughter. And then so it's just a big hodgepodge, just so masterfully written and acted. Just yeah. a fantastic film. Um, 
I don't have anything really more to say about Crazy Stupid Love without just talking about every scene and a breakdown. Yeah, no, but... it's we could honestly do a whole hour on this movie because this is probably one of my favorite rom coms of the last. No, it's been eleven years now, so let's say last twenty years. Yeah, um, I really love this movie. Uh, we put it, you know, it's one that my wife even likes a lot too, so she'll put it on every once in a while, just looking for something to watch on either Netflix or we have it on Vudu and stuff. Um, really funny. Everyone's great in it. Great performances. Uh, you can't really go wrong with Kevin Bacon. Anytime Kevin Bacon's in something, it just makes it better. Uh, but you really, you know, you come for Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, and um, what's her name? Emma Stone. Try <laughs> a blank. Those are really like your your four main leads where Gosling and Carell are kind of the leads of the movie. Um, you spend We spend most of our time with them. But you do have the great moment, too, uh, the dirty dancing moment with Gosling and, and Emma Stone, which is fantastic, which mm-hmm. they've talked about since since this movie has come out and stuff. And um, just great in the movie. And, and what's what's my move? I, I, I do the dirty dancing. What? She's like, that works. <laughs> yep. Obviously, the parallels from La La Land because yep. of. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. It's definitely it's pre La La Land, too. So you kind of get a, a look at their chemistry beforehand. Um, and understand why they were cast together in La La Land because it, it works, you know, they work well together. They're kind of a perfect match on screen couple. Um, and, you know, and you said, you know, who doesn't get along with Crow? I think the same thing could go for Gosling because I hear that he's just a really like generous and nice person. Um, so, do you remember the series of memes where it was the guy who was trying to get Ryan Gosling to eat his cereal? Yes. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, they did it on they, SNL, right? Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, the gentleman who's created that that trend uh, unfortunately got sick and passed away. And Ryan Gosling, being the incredible human being that he is, you know, just made a simple five second video That's, of, yeah. of him eating the cereal because the whole meme trend was because he wouldn't eat the cereal with the faces that he made and whatnot. Anytime he tried to give him a spoon, yeah, I didn't realize. Nice the guy, I didn't thing. know that's why he did it. I knew Ryan yeah. Gosling did that video. I didn't realize that's why he did it. That's very yeah, sweet. Canadian heartstrings yep yeah. you know and both that chris evans too if you read some stuff on him he's a very generous uh person and uh, when all that uh, stuff about the light year kiss was going around he basically told people that they needed to stop being bigots bigots and get over it and if they didn't like it they could go fuck themselves so um you know they both i think have a good head on their shoulders and uh, you know um, it's nice to get to talk about their movies. And like, like I said, you know, some movies that maybe people either forgotten about or haven't seen. So, um, all right. For that, that being said, we're going to go into our reviews of the week. <laughs> um, the first one is going to be the Ryan Gosling and, uh, Chris Evans film where they team up for the first time. And, it's an action film and it's directed by the Russo brothers of the Avenger film. So they have worked obviously with uh, Chris Evans and the two cat, two of the captain America films. So they have worked with him now a total of five times. Um, it stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna Diarmas, Jessica Henwick, uh, Reja Jean page from Bridgerton, uh, uh, Wagner Mora, Julia butters, Danush, Alfred Woodard and Billy Bob Thornton. So, um, pretty big cast, good cast, good actors, um, written by Joe Russo, Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. It's based on the gray man, which is a book series, um, by Mark Greeny. So it is an action film, a spy film, if you will. Senior CIA official Donald Fitzroy visits a convicted murderer in prison. That's Ryan Gosling. And he then... Um, says, hey, you can either walk out with me and do what I tell you and work with the CIA, or you could spend your, your time in prison, which he had until like 2031 or something like that. So he decides to go with him. And then we cut to 18 years later, and he's this, you know, big super spy type thing. They call him in on missions when there's nobody in, in, in the area. Uh, he plays Sierra Six. That's his name. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Gosling then, uh, you know, discovers that there may be some shady business going on with a new person in charge, which is Rajon Jean Page, and um, his character. And so he then kind of goes off on his own, and then it becomes 
kind of like a born identity or um yep it had a lot of you know a, a, a mixture yeah i got a lot of mission impossible yep. yeah obviously with the the numbered code names you got bond yep born is a great comparison as well you know at the beginning i had to stop because his interaction with four I yep. thought that was Matthew McConaughey for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Are we gonna, it's going to be all right, all right, all right. You know, I got excited. It's not. But. That would have been great had they got someone big to be. Because Mission Impossible has always been known to do that. Get someone at least recognizable to play a role that they die right away. And Matthew McConaughey will make those cameos on will, uh, yep. Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. He does them from time to time. Um, yeah, so Wayne, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this film then? I mean, it's basically a big spy thriller. Um. You know, the action scenes were good, but it was kind of run-of-the-mill for me. It didn't really stand out on its own. Okay. Like, And that's not a knock. It's just a – it checked the boxes, but mm. nothing that made it outstanding. Like, um, the the all right, let's just go Mission – the last Mission Impossible movie with uh, with Superman as the bad guy. Yeah. You know, that those – that epicness. That, yeah. It, it just seemed like it was kind of lacking something that made it stand out from the rest of them. I, I think, mean, you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was an entertaining film, but I do think, like, the drone shots a lot, and this is what people have criticized the film online, the drone shots do take a lot out of the action sequences. Um, and the movie is better, too, I think, when you have more, like, that Henry Cavill-style hand-to-hand combat that they, that they do, in, like, towards the end of the film. Some of the big action set pieces just kind of feel like they're from other movies. Yeah. Um, but I, I did enjoy myself. I had a good time with this movie. Um, I, I really liked Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, their chemistry together. They were, and I thought they had some good lines and stuff. And Ana de Armas was really good. Um, I, 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 we, I mean, we have to talk about Chris Evans mustache, which does is a point of, uh, of his character that gets brought up with, uh, and Ryan Gosling with the line with, um, you must be Lloyd. And he's, oh, you, you know, my work He's like, no, just with the white pants and the, and the trash stash, I just put it together. So <laughs> it, scream, or it screams Lloyd, is what he said. Um, so I, I thought there were some good dialogue in this film. It definitely has places to go, because this is, according to Netflix, going to be a franchise. Um, they've already got prequels and sequels and all this other stuff planned. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what where they go in the future. Um, I don't know that they'll spend $200 million again on another movie. Cause that's a lot of money on a movie that does not go to theaters. Uh, but obviously they're hoping to, you know, get subscribers and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you no, know, I, you know, we don't, I don't want to give anything away. So we're not going to give it the plot points yeah. or anything. And, you know, he tried, it's kind of a survival spy film. Basically they do spy things. Yes, they do spy things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I would say for me, it was a solid seven out of 10 Wayne. Uh, I don't know how it sounds like you're a little lower on that, but. No, I was thinking six or seven, right yeah. there with you. I, so mean, I would definitely gonna... watch this before I watch Mission Impossible three. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people like three. That's what Philip Seymour Hoffman. Are you, th- you sure you're not thinking of two? Two was awful. Was two the awful one? Two yeah, was the one where yeah, where like he passes Tandy Newton in the car and automatically they're in love with each other in the first like five minutes of the movie. I was like, what? Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> it is Tandy. I get it. It is Tandy Newton. Um, yeah, so you can watch The Gray Man right now on Netflix. I would say definitely, I don't know, like, how many times I'll rewatch it, but when they make more of them, I'll probably go, you know, do a rewatch before I watch the next one. Um, all right, so the next movie we have, uh, I'm gonna let Wayne start it off, but I'm just gonna name it here. It's called Anything's Possible. Um, so Wayne, Wayne, take it away. All right, Anything's Possible is the newest release from Amazon, or was released on Amazon. I believe it's its own movie, right? So. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't. It wasn't. Yeah, it was made. Uh, I believe through Prime. Directed by Billy Porter. Written by Zamina Garcia Lacuna. Sounds good to me. Pretty good, I think. Yes, it's starring uh, Ava Rain, Abubakar, Abu Baker Ali, Courtney Carter, Carrie Lamar Wilson. Those are your uh, main characters, if you will. Renee Elise Goldberry too plays um, uh, Kelsey's ah, yes. mother. She plays Kelsey's mother. She's a you know, one of the more known actors in the film, I would say. She was further down on the list. Yeah, the yeah, because she gets the whole. I think she gets the and Renee Elise Goldsberry credit instead of like right up there with the rest of the cast. 
So here is the little breakdown. Anything's possible is the delightful modern Gen Z coming-of-age story that follows Kelsa, a confident high school girl who is trans as she navigates through her senior year. When her classmate Kal gets a crush on her, he musters up the courage to ask her out despite the drama he knows it would cause. What transpires is a romance that showcases the joy, tenderness, pain of young love. All right, sir. Um... This is one of these stories that absolutely needs to be told that uh, has fantastic inclusion and a fantastic message overall. However, I got some vibes that I didn't really like from it. Starting off, it felt like, oh, good, rich kids and their problems for two hours. Very much like the kissing booth and the way I've critiqued that in the past. Yes. Oh, okay. So it was... It wanted to be something, but I just don't think it developed into... It didn't reach its full potential, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, For yeah, me... Most uh, part did a great job, but yeah. I feel like they were all very shallow, not developed enough. At least the, the side character. The, the side character. The two main characters are pretty well-rounded, but I think there could be some more depth overall. Yeah. No, I think yeah, some of the side characters definitely could have used more more depth. Um, However, you know, I, I seem like I don't want to sound like I'm picking on this at all. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it very much answered a lot of questions, or it, it it educated me, which I think is a big takeaway and a big plus for me for somebody who I believe the term is a cis cis yes. male cisgender male. Yes, um, there are times I, I admit that I am kind of ignorant or not understanding, or just don't know. Mm-hmm. So this was nice to see and learn and be entertained at the same time. It's, yes, it's definitely um, from a different perspective than we're used to seeing. So like Wayne uttered when we started off, this is a, a movie, a story that needs to be told in order for us one day to be like, oh yeah, that that movie, whatever, that one was okay, you know, because we've had so many of them, but we haven't had so many of them. This is a rare where you get a, granted, it's not a huge, like, big-budgeted movie, but it feels like a a regular movie. It's not a made-for-TV film or anything. There's no, it feels like a real movie. So to have uh, a story like this, I think it's very important. Uh, we always talk about inclusion um, and um, just diverse casting, which this, I mean, this also has as well. Uh, there aren't very many white people in it, which is not a negative. They they have like a lot of white extras and stuff, but they're the main characters are, are uh, people of color or diverse characters. So it's something we don't always see. Um, like we said, it is about a, a trans girl. Uh, so we get to see her story of how she wants to live her life. You know, there the, it does a good job, I think, of like showing how people can take someone else's crusade on as their own. And there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say that they're trying to be negative towards those people, but they're like just trying to show them like, hey, just sometimes when you do this stuff, you're a bit extra and maybe pull it back and actually listen to the person that's going through the thing that you're trying to help. Right. When uh, I really like the explanation on, I hate being called brave. That was yes. very like, you know, okay. I, yep. that's, that was an understanding learning moment for some, for me. Right. It's being be, in the, in the explanation was because she was, why is she brave? She's just being herself and there's nothing, you know, that's, that should be what we, that's what we all should aspire to do is to be ourselves. Uh, unless I said, like I said before on one of our previous, but unless it's being a racist, hateful douchebag, don't be that person. But if you're, you know, if you're going to be a good person, be yourself, be who you're supposed to be. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't be that. And I think that that's an important message from this movie, whether you like the movie or not, that's something that we don't get in a lot of these type of films. Um, One of the other points that I wanted to kind of just talk about or address uh, the Otis character, uh, Carl's or Carl. They did a funny thing about how to pronounce Carl's name properly. Yes. And yes. Cool. I can't. I yeah. don't think I'm, really I'm trying to do it while we're watching it. She's like trying. At one point yeah. she got it. She's like, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, Otis is kind of like, so what are you gay now? And the thing that I stopped and took, like try to ingest like breaking down these old ways of thinking it's like well because you're attracted to this person this must mean you're that 
Mm-hmm. You know, those don't really exist anymore. We're trying, or at least trying to break down barriers for whatever. That's, yes, I think the whole idea of of a movie like this is that gender is more fluid these days, and mm-hmm. the whole idea of boy girl, like I, they handle when it's announced that they're a couple. They handle it. I think while you have uh, his friend Otis and the other girl who are kind of like upset. She's only upset because she's jealous because she wanted to date him. And then the friend who's confused because he doesn't understand why people are accepting them. But most of the school, like when they do a pan around, I think it's very accurate of how kids are these days. They're all like happy for them and like, Oh, that's cool, man. And you see like a lesbian couple walk past them and they smile back at them and stuff like that. So I think that's more the new norm and the way Otis what they're trying to get through is that Otis, while yes, you need, you need to teach these young people how to just be accepting, I guess. Um, or how to just let someone live their fucking life. And it's none of your fucking business. That's really what I, what it comes down to for me. Um, but it, kids these days are more like, if I talk to Donovan about this, he'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's cool. <laughs> like, I don't, it doesn't, it's cool that they're that way. It doesn't matter. You know, the, the, they don't, kids these days don't look at it as a big deal. Um, and I think that's what was cool about this movie is that it took it in that way. So while I'll agree with Wayne that there are definitely structurally, there is some things about this movie um, that could be better. I do think it's a positive step in the right direction to have a film like this, that could reach such a larger audience because of Amazon and mm-hmm. the fact that it's a prime original, it's going to be all over their thing for, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, and that being said, I did enjoy it. I had a good time with it. Um, it wasn't, it didn't hit me emotionally as a lot of some of these other movies can, uh, like, I, I, I kissing booth is a good comparison because those movies never hit me emotionally either. Uh, but go ahead, Winter. No, I just, uh, I was going to say something in regards to the end of the film, but I'm like, I'm going to pull back from that and, uh, just say, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit more reality based. It is. I was going to, that's what I was going to say. It, it does have a real feel to it where it, 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 at a certain point in the movie i realized that it wasn't going to wrap up all happy and hunky dory like a lot of these movies do not to say it's sad by any stretch but it, it's more wayne put it perfectly it's real it's it, it's it feels like a story that you, despite you know how wealthy these kids are a story that could actually happen um as opposed to like kissing something like kissing with feels almost like a fantasy of like what uh, a teenager's life is supposed to be in california when their families are rich um so yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. I would say a seven, seven and a half out of ten. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. And again, it, it's just it's a movie. You know, when you think about it, like when people are like, oh, is it that movie or this movie? I see IMDB it has a four out of ten. I assume a lot of that's because of bigots. Uh, yeah. they like to get on there and pull movies down like this. That's a great point because there are five reviews, but oh. it's so lowly ranked. Um, okay, go figure. <laughs> And uh, all of the all of the reviews are fair. There's nothing that's just marking it as a blech because. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, bigots. I mean, and nothing else. Watch this purely to you know have a better understanding or educating yourself in regards to, you know, humans in all of our varieties. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's an. I think it's an. It's an important movie to show your kids too, um, whether they like it or not. Just again to see a, a life from a different perspective. Um, and if your kids are younger and they're coming up in this, it, you know, you always hear the, how do I tell my kids this? How do I tell my kids that like Rebecca and I always say, like, love is love. Like if you're an 85 year old person and you find a companion who's 85 years old, who happens to be the same sex as you and you guys make each other happy and that sex doesn't have to be involved. Physical contact doesn't have to be involved. You could just live together knowing that you're making each other happy. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's this we put society or a lot of the Christian people put this whole sex thing in there. Like, like that's all they're ever talking about. And it's like, sex is such a, a minor part of a relationship. It's an important part of a relationship, but it's minor in comparison to all the other stuff that happens in your relationships. So I think focusing on that, how we're going to talk about it, look, we don't need to talk about like what actually happens when two gay people have sex. We just be like, they like each other or they're in love with each other. That's all you have to say. That's it. It's simple. And yet we make it so fucking hard, yeah. um, which then makes it hard for these kids to want to talk to us about it because they feel like it, it's this, this stigma on it and we can't do it. And movies like this are positive and they give us a, 
an open a way to have that conversation without really having to dive into you know the the squishy stuff if you will the, the yeah. sexy stuff exactly <laughs> um but yeah so i mean it's it's you know it's a movie so don't take don't be, i'm not putting this movie on some sort of huge pedestal it's just nice to have a movie like this out there we've talked about a lot of movies over this podcast where they have queer couples that are main characters and stuff like that that are it's important to get these movies out there wayne go ahead you were going to say something i was just going to say much like any movie it would benefit from a larger budget if you will of course but i don't i mean i don't think it it really holds the film back like other amazon or like yeah not just amazon but other lower budgeted projects netflix type movies yeah some of them they don't put a lot of money into you can tell um also i do want to mention uh it is directed by a black gay man billy porter uh, i think that's also important to mention because that's something that we don't have a lot of uh director wise and filmmaker wise also, I think, Wayne, it was pretty obvious that with the because uh, Billy Billy Porter, if people don't know, comes from the Broadway background. And he he was in the show Pose on on net on uh, uh, FX about uh, trans uh, models, I believe. Um, he obviously it seemed to me like he wanted to make this movie a musical because he has this this dance number that plays through the, the closing credits where I'm like, I bet he wanted this to be a fucking musical. They're like, no, Billy, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but it was. Yeah, I. It was cool to see that he made the film and that it, there's a lot of him on that movie. There's a lot of characters. My wife was always like, what the fuck are these people wearing? I showed her a picture of Billy Porter. She's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> like He's got like, a very odd fashion sense. Um, and I think a lot of his characters have that throughout the film, uh, which yeah. is fine. You know. Well, I, I, I thought the same thing in one of, with one of Kyle's outfits. I'm like, I'm sure that's good but for me and this understanding i'm I'm not a big fan of the mustard look right yeah exactly there's a there's a lot of uh if you're if you're i don't know i'm not a fashion person so i would never uh, you those people obviously i think know a little bit more about that stuff than i do so um but yeah i don't know i think you should watch this movie you know judge for yourself whether you like it um at least just to to realize that movies out like this exist out there um so catch it on amazon prime as we said all right, Wayne, uh, anything that you've watched recently that you want to talk about? I finally got to see Top Gun Maverick, and uh, yeah, it uh, it deserves the hype that it got. It was a very, very good movie. As good, if not better, than the first one. Um, I would say better. Well, I mean, you're entitled to your incorrect opinion, but you know. <laughs> it, uh, you know, like, if they were making the original Top Gun today, I, I would hope that it was... The same, it would be at the same caliber of Top Gun Maverick. And yes. That is a compliment, you know, whether it's better or not, whatever. I love both, and I really enjoyed it. You know, it was really nice to see a remake with the actor truly encapsulating the character that mm-hmm. he originally portrayed, if you will. Because a lot of times it's kind of like, hey, you know, like when Bill and Ted Face the Music came out, you knew you were getting Bill and Ted again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. We saw Maverick again. We did, yeah. Day. No, we did, yeah. Cruise was good. Cruise was really good in it. Um, I really I really liked Miles Teller in it a lot. I he really did look like I got Super Goose vibes. He did. Oh, he, did. he looks like Anthony Edwards in the movie. He yeah. totally does. I could see because uh, um, the other guy, the other, I forget, I'm, uh, Glenn Powell, he was also up for the part of of Goose's son, and he lost out, and then they they liked him so much they gave him the other role. But just based on appearance alone, I see why Miles Teller got the role. I mean, he looks yeah. like a young Anthony Edwards, and I thought that was perfect casting. Uh, great mustache, um, yeah. cool hair, cool sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, I believe one of the highlights, though, was obviously the Iceman scene. Yes, yes. Sad too, though. You know, just when you when you realize, like, because what Kilmer has gone through yeah. uh, over the last ten years or so of his life, and but, but how they crafted that to fit Kilmer yes, and his situation sure. is just a testament to, you know, just Tom Cruise or the film director, whoever made those decisions. I, yeah. I take my hat off to him because I, I imagine it's probably Cruise. He has a lot of control over his his yeah. project, so. But yeah, it was a, a good move, and I think a, a very nostalgic move uh, that gave a lot of people a lot of a different emotions. Um, I really did enjoy that film. Anything else, Wayne, that you watched? Uh, you want to talk about? Oh goodness, um, there are so many TV shows that I need to watch. Uh, you know, Virgin River just came out that I haven't started yet. Yep, same here. Um, 
you know, I had talked previously that I started the Sopranos. Well, I like that tailed off and then I was, uh, I got a bug and, uh, I started watching Smallville again. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny just like the further you get away from a show, the way your opinions of it change. Yeah. Well, I still love all this, the aspects of Superman and Clark Kent. Like, oh, that high school drama and that show. It's just like, oh my God, I'm over it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Nice. All right. And then, uh, there's a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Oh, I finally saw Jura- the new Jurassic World movie. And? Not bad. Yeah. I don't understand why everybody's like criticizing the crap out of it. I mean, yeah. I was entertained. I mean, exactly. it definitely wasn't Jurassic Park 2. No. Or 3. So. <laughs> Agreed. I agree. You know, I get the whole, whoa, whoa, this is how you stop a raptor with your hands. <laughs> We're all dinosaurs. So. That's how it works, man. I've heard there's been facts that have proven that. But yeah, I think that's where I'll stop with what I've watched yes. because I can prattle on. But <laughs> all right, so um, I, I did watch three more John Wayne films because I had started uh, before Vacation, but then I just I could not get to it, and then afterwards, so I watched. Um, I started with Hondo, which was my favorite, probably. I watched True Grit, Real Grand, and The Cowboys. Real Grand was my least favorite. Uh, True Grit and Cowboy, The Cowboys were good. Uh, True Grit to me. I, I didn't quite like his uh, performance, but it, you know, the movie itself I thought was really good. And the little, the actress that plays the little girl in true grit, I thought was fantastic. Um, no one is ever allowed to say to me that they've seen the worst movie ever, unless they have watched the movie things. Cause things is by far the worst movie ever made. Uh, Don't Make Me Go on Amazon Prime was released last week. That was really good with John Cho. Uh, Leave No Trace with Ben Foster, which is on Netflix right now, is really good. Uh, Red Riding 1974 um, on AMC uh, is really good. Uh, Serial killer uh, film series. Uma, uh, new Sandra Oh movie that just hit Netflix, not very good. But as we talked about with like Anything's Possible, Uma stars two Asian women. So I think that's something that, you know, we have two... Asian leads in the film and American made film. I think that's very important. Uh, unfortunately, I just wish the movie was better. And my big recommendation of the week is uh, the bear, which is an FX Hulu show about a restaurant in Chicago starring Jeremy Allen white. It's so good. Uh, such a fucking fantastic show. Eight episodes. Um, it, it's like under four hours, I think for a total for the whole series. And then um, I did get to see Nope this weekend, Wayne. Um, and I saw Thor uh, two weeks ago. So both of those high recommendations for me. Um, I really liked Nope and Thor. So that's that. Um, all right. So a lot of criticisms on Thor. Is it just undeserved because they're marbled out? Or what do you think? I think, I don't know that it's undeserved. I think that people didn't realize how weird Taika Waititi was. <laughs> and the the he had to follow for Ragnarok he still had to follow like it you know his movie uh, was before Infinity War so he still right. had to like okay this has to be somewhat serious because i have to lead up to a very serious movie in this universe right but with this one he doesn't have to do that and he got a lot more freedom i think i loved it i thought it was great it's wacky it's goofy it's weird uh it's funny um and it's a Marvel movie. I mean, in the end, it really is a Marvel movie. I don't like, there are people that have walked out of it. Like, I don't understand what they were expecting. Um, it, I really, I really liked it. And Donovan really liked it. We enjoyed it. We had a good time with it. Um, I think people just need to, it's not as good as Ragnarok, but I would say it's better than Thor two and probably on par with the first Thor in my, my yeah, opinion. Um, yeah, Ragnarok was my favorite. Yeah. It does not touch Ragnarok, but it does do a lot of cool things that I, that I think will, um, kind of set that character up for the future. Natalie Portman's great in it. Uh, uh, they give Korg some good stuff to do. Uh, of course, uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie is really good. Uh, uh, Christian Bale, man, fucking that fucking guy. It's, everybody knows, just on another fucking level when it comes to acting. Um, him playing that villain was the right choice and probably the only choice. I mean, he was so good. Um, Gore the God Butcher. It's got some really cute moments too in it, some really fun moments, uh, some great one liners, um, and screaming goats, which I thought was hilarious the entire time. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I really dug it. I, I don't understand what people's problem is with it. And it turned into this thing online too, where everyone was like ripping into Taika all of a sudden. I'm like, he's been like 
the most beloved director, but it's like someone posted like, oh, I guess he got too big because that's what happens. You fly too high on Twitter and then everyone starts wanting to, to see you fail and see you fall. But what I like about him is he's so whatever about everything that it's not going to do anything to him at all. <laughs> he's just going to go on living his life and fuck everybody else. So, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's a it's a good movie. It's really it's really fun. Um, I think people will enjoy it. And there's another big, just like in uh, at the end of Doctor Strange uh, uh, 2, there's another big character reveal uh, of an actor who will be playing somebody in the future that they kept under wraps for quite some time. So I thought that was really cool, too. That I thought that it's cool that they were getting to the point where they can make these reveals in, like, credit scenes and no one saw it coming. Um, all right, so... Uh, news and notes for this week. Uh, Sam Taylor Johnson directing Amy Winehouse biopic. Nick Cage will star as vodka drinking, flash dance loving dragon in a movie called High Fire, a gritty crime thriller series described as uh, true detective meets Pete's dragon. Um, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it's Nick Cage playing a dragon. I'm excited for it. Uh, Chad canceled at TBS ahead of season two premiere. Warner Brothers will assist in finding a new home for season two. Ghostbusters Afterlife co-stars Finn Wolfhard and Billy Burke are uh, teaming up again, but this time it will be behind the camera as they will direct the horror comedy Hell of a Summer. The pair will also star in the film alongside uh, Fred Heckinger from Netflix's Fear Street Trilogy. Heckinger will serve as producer alongside Jason Bateman, Michael Costigan, Drew Brennan, and Jay Van Hoy. It'll be a slasher set at a summer camp. Alden Ehrenreich joins cast of Marvel's Ironheart over at Disney+. Adam Sandler starring and producing an adaptation of You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah for Netflix and will be joined by Uncut Gems co-star Adina Menzel. The Bear officially renewed for season two, so anyone that's interested in watching it after my recommendation, there will be a second season. Samara Weaving and Tony Revolori join Scream 6. Tanya Reynolds and Patricia Allison leaving Sex Education ahead of season four. Marcel, the shell director, Dean Fleischer Camp, directing live action Lilo and Stitch for Disney. So who, so Helia Jakob joins Dune 2 as Shashakli, Frida Pinto to play political staffer Huma Abedin in adaptation of her memoir. Uh, Channing Tatum replaces Chris Evans in Project Artemis over at Apple Plus. Criminal Minds Revival officially ordered at Paramount Plus. Nintendo is buying... Dynamo Pictures, an animation studio that will they will use to make and release more adaptations of their games. Gina Rodriguez and retired UFC champ Daniel Cormier are circling roads for Gavin O'Connor's TV adaptation of his own film Warrior, which starred Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, and Nick Nolte. The series will be 10 episodes in era on Paramount Plus with the hope of doing multiple seasons. Dr. Death renewed for second season over at Peacock. It will cover the story of Paolo Maturani, known as Miracle Man. Uh, that series originally had um, Joshua Jackson, Christian Slater, and Alec Baldwin, but it's going to be an anthology series, so they're going to cover a new crazy fucking doctor every year, I'm guessing. Adam Scott latest to join Dakota Johnson and Madam Webb. Lee Daniels' Netflix exorcism film starring Andre Day, Glenn Close, Rob Morgan, Caleb McLaughlin, and Andrew New Ellis is now called The Deliverance, and Omar Epps, Demi Singleton, Miss Lawrence, and Anthony B. Jenkins have also joined the cast. Connie Nielsen joins Kaylee Cuoco, David Oyelowo, and Bill Nehi in high-concept thriller roleplay. Martin Lawrence joining cast of sci-fi comedy The Damascus, Hamilton and Station 19 actor Okarita Onodawin has already been cast in the lead role. OG uh, Aunt Viv is how I describe her herself. Jo- uh, Janet Hubert from Fresh Prince is also in the cast. Andrew Garfield in talks to star and director David Leach's next film. The River Wild, a strange movie getting a remake slash reimagined thriller on the way from startup creator Ben Katai. It'll star Lighten Meester and her real-life husband Adam Brody, but Taryn Killam will play her uh, husband in the film, and Adam Brody will play, uh, his, I believe, her husband's brother, I think. Uh, he's the, he's the, I think he's the Kevin Bacon of the movie. Uh, Netflix announces more Fear Street films are coming. The Monsters going uh, will be de- the Monsters will be debuting on Netflix in September, as Universal opts to put it on Netflix instead of Peacock. Apparently, according to Rob Zombie, this was the idea from the beginning. Most people have seen the trailer, and it, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, it looks pretty awful. 
Uh, but we probably <laughs> will be reviewing it on this podcast. So we'll let you know how it really is. Um, Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends are being rebooted. Peter Dinklage joins Hunger Games prequel as Costco High Bottom, Dean of the Academy. Mark Forster directing Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book for Disney. Eddie Murphy reuniting with Boomerang director Reginald Hudlin for holiday comedy. Candy Cane Lane over at Amazon Studios. Only Murders in the Building renewed for season three. Hugh Jackman will be the lead voice in Hulu's Koala Man from one half of the Rick and Morty team. Simon McCoy officially returning to direct Mortal Kombat 2. Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt Russell join the MonsterVerse for Apple TV Plus live action series that takes place right after Godzilla vs. Kong. It is titled Godzilla and the Titans. Sarah Michelle Gellar announces involvement in Teen Wolf movies at Comic-Con. Greg Nicotero officially directing movie about the making of the original Night of the Living Dead. Disney officially announces animated Gargoyles reboot. Amanda Stenberg to star in Star Wars The Acolyte. Atlanta final season airing in September already after season three just wrapped up. Rick Grimes movies being turned into Rick and Michonne miniseries that was announced at Comic-Con. Marvel also made a huge uh, laundry list of uh, announcements all the way through phase six. So lots of stuff. I'm not going to go through it all, but lots of stuff you can look up online. And the trailer for Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. Uh, releases coming up. Sylvester Stallone's Samaritan debuts on Amazon Prime August 26th. Salem's Lot remake moves to April 21st, 2023, taking the last train to New York spot, leaving the latter without a date for the moment. Spin Me Around with Allison Brie and Aubrey Plaza hits theaters on demand and AMC Plus August 19th. What Josiah Saw starring Nick Stahl, Robert Patrick, Scott Hayes, and Kelly Gardner hits Shutter August 4th. Confess Fletch with John Hamm will hit theaters September 16th and then Showtime on October 28th. Steve Carell's FX series, The Patient, with Domhnall Gleeson debuts August 30th, only on Hulu. American Gigolo series with John Bernthal debuts on Showtime September 9th. Secret Headquarters uh, movie with Owen Wilson hits Paramount Plus August 12th. Insidious 5, starring and directed by Patrick Wilson, will release July 7th, 2023. Madame Webb moved from July 7th to October 6th, 2023. Uh, Quiet Place Day 1 will release March 8th, 2024. Do Revenge with Maya Hawk and Camille Mendez hits Netflix September 16th. Breaking with John Boyega and one of the last performances of Michael K. Williams hits theaters August 26th. Little Demon animated series with Aubrey Plaza, Lucy DeVito, and Danny DeVito starts airing on Hulu August 25th. Mike, the Mike Tyson bio series starring Trevante Woods as Mike Tyson hits Hulu August 25th. Willow TV series debuts November 30th on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to Wrexham documentary series hits Hulu August 24th. Vampire Academy debuts on Peacock September 15th. All right. Deaths over the last couple of weeks. Busawi Larai, Netflix, South African show, How to Ruin Christmas, Dead at 36. Ivana Trump, 73. Jack Knight, comedian and bust down star and co-creator, Dead at 28. Mickey Rooney Jr., musician, Mouseketeer, and son of Hollywood legend, Dead at 77. Jean-Marie Lavalou, French uh, Camaro pioneer, uh, dead at 76. Rebecca Balding, uh, soap, charmed, and many other things, dead at 73. Shanka Dukaru, singer who played Big Mama Thornton in Elvis, dead at 44. Tareen Block, uh, Emmy-nominated actor for Hill Street Blues, dead at 82. Um, that is all for the show this week. So we appreciate you guys for listening, obviously, to every episode if you have. Uh, Wayne, any final thoughts for this week? Just, as always, thank you guys for listening and supporting the show. All right. Well, that has been another episode of Now Showing with Mike and Wayne. All right. The actor? Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, everybody. We're all going to get late. Hey!